Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest tells us about the resurrection, a creative event. Praise the Lord. So I'm calling my message this morning, The Resurrection, a Creative Event. And I'm going to share some things that I've shared before. I think it was October of 2017. I shared a message called The Fusion Reactor Inside You. So you'll hear some references to that. But I'm going to re-preach it this morning with an emphasis on the creative nature of the resurrection. Amen. It's an aspect of the resurrection that I don't think is talked about too much, but it needs to be. Amen. The creative nature of the resurrection. Now, there will be some science as we move through this topic, but I promise I won't uh, I won't give you anything you can't handle. And if it does kind of go over your head at times, I promise you, I will bring it down to a bottom line, something that we can all grasp, uh, regardless of our educational background. Amen. Hallelujah. As I've said before, the Lord's been reminding me that it was he that led me to go back to school and get my Ph.D. in engineering in my 40s. Uh, And it wasn't for my amusement and not just for the satisfaction of my curiosity, but it was for his purposes. And uh, as it turned out, I spent 10 years as a researcher in the field of micro and nanosystems engineering. I was also teaching engineering, science, mathematics, statistics. But also during that 10-year period, I was teaching the Bible. I was a director of the School of Ministry at Word of Life Center in Shreveport, Louisiana. So I had a unique opportunity to walk in the world of science and the world of the Bible at the same time. So I believe it gave me a unique perspective that I can use to share the Bible in a little bit different way than what you've heard from other teachers and preachers. Amen? Hallelujah. And I know that the Lord expects me to use that unique background, that melding of the worlds of science and the Bible, to to reach out to people and to declare to them that God's Word is true and that science, contrary to what people have been taught, does not contradict the Bible, but rather it complements the Bible. I've taught on science in the Bible in the past in different venues, in front of different groups, but only just recently have I begun to weave science into some of my Sunday morning messages. Amen? I think it's important because there's a whole world out there that thinks that science has all the answers. And unfortunately, many of them believe that those answers must always exclude God, when really the opposite is true. I maintain that most of those scientists would make really horrible detectives. Why do you say that, Brother Scott? Well, because good detectives always follow the evidence wherever it may lead. Amen. Regardless of any opinion or predisposition they may have regarding the matter being investigated. They just follow the evidence wherever it leads. If these unbelieving scientists were really seeking the truth, they'd do the same thing. And if they did, the evidence would lead them to one conclusion. There is a God at work in the forces of nature and in the laws of the universe. Amen. Now I'm going to give you a quote from Albert Einstein that illustrates the fact that some of our most brilliant minds in the history of science acknowledge this fact. Listen to what Einstein said. 
Einstein said, Everyone who is seriously interested in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, a spirit vastly superior to man, and one in the face of which our modest powers must seem humble. That's Albert Einstein. Amen. It kind of reminds me of Romans chapter 1, verse 20. I got the slides mixed up there, but we can recover. Romans 1, 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. In other words, everything that can be known about the existence of God, the Bible says, can be discerned through the things that God made, through the creation, right here on earth and out in space. Who among us can look at a starlit sky and say all of that happened just by accident? I'm sorry, if you're a really intelligent person, that doesn't pass the smell test, as we used to say in the military. It just ain't right. Somebody put those stars in the sky. Whether you scientifically understand it or not, they are silent witness to the existence of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to talk about the son of righteousness, the son of righteousness. Malachi chapter four, verse two. This is in the King James Version. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. I want to read that to you in a different translation, the message translation. This is awesome. Verse 2. But for you, sunrise, the sun of righteousness will dawn on those who honor my name, healing, radiating from its wings. You will be bursting with energy like colts, frisky and frolicking. How many out here would like to be frisky and frolicking like colts? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Just like that. Notice in verse 2, regardless of which translation you read it, Malachi uses our son, S-U-N, as a prophetic metaphor for the son, S-O-N, of righteousness. That son of righteousness is, of course, Jesus the Christ. Amen? And when he rises, the prophet says, healing power, life-giving energy, and joy will emanate from his wings, from his rays, very much like the life-giving radiation of the sun. Amen. So since we're talking about the sun, and since the metaphor is our earthly sun, the sun that gives earth its warmth and life, I want to share some fun facts about our sun. Our sun is an enormous burning ball of hydrogen and helium uh, that is roughly 93 million miles away from planet Earth. Let me put that in perspective. It takes the light of the sun 8 minutes and 30 seconds to reach the Earth once it leaves the surface of the sun. So if for some reason the sun was snuffed out, we wouldn't know about it for eight and a half minutes. Oh, my God, the sun, somebody put the sun out. Amen. 
That's a joke. You can laugh if you want to. <laughs> Trust me, as long as God is on the throne, nobody's going to snuff out the sun. Amen. All right. Now, one of the reasons that the sun is so far away from us is because it's so large and it's so hot that we could not survive if the earth was much closer to the sun. Amen. Look at this slide. That's the sun. That's the moon. It's barely a speck. And that's the earth, just a little bit bigger speck. Imagine if we were that close to the sun. We would be roast toasties. A new breakfast cereal. We would be toast. So how large is the sun? Well, the diameter of the sun is about 840,000 miles as compared to the diameter of the earth, which is roughly 8,000 miles. So that's a pretty big difference, right? Volume-wise, though, it's completely amazing. Volume-wise, it would take 1.3 million Earths to fill the volume of the sun. Wow. Woo. So how hot is the sun? Everybody wants to know that. Well, the core of the sun burns at 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. Pretty hot. And in that core, there is a fusion reactor that takes the available mass of hydrogen and converts it into helium, releasing an enormous amount of energy in the form of light and heat. Amen. Uh, and just to give you some idea how much energy is being produced by our sun, it converts 4.4 million tons of mass into energy every second. Let me say that again. 4.4 million tons of mass are converted into energy every second. And this uh, conversion of mass into energy is described by Einstein's famous equation, E equal mc squared. Basically, what that equation means is that energy and mass are basically the same thing, just different forms of the same thing. And the sun takes mass and converts it into energy, and because it does, we have life here on planet Earth. Amen. But by the time those fusion reactions work their way to the surface, the temperature drops from a balmy 27 million degrees to a mere 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Mind you, that's still hot enough to melt elements like carbon, graphite, and even diamonds. Pretty hot. So I want to talk about the fusion reactor that is inside of you if you've been born again. You may not realize that you have a fusion reactor that's more powerful than the one that is inside the sun living on the inside of you right now in this building. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's one of the things I want to emphasize this morning. You have a fusion reactor on the inside of you, and it contains creative power. Amen. Romans 8.11. Let's see if we can find something like that in the Scriptures. This is the King James Version. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. 
I want to read it to you in the Amplified Version. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, the Spirit of the living God was dwelling inside the body of Jesus, and it was that indwelling Spirit, that fusion reactor of a higher degree of limitless power that raised Christ up from the dead. When His Spirit came out of hell and reunited with that dead body, it ignited something on the inside of that body that transformed it into something completely new. He wasn't just raised from the dead. He was made into a new creation. He is the forerunner and the prototype of us all. Amen. Because he was made a new creation, we are able to be made new creations in him. Amen. And that's reason for rejoicing. That's reason for frolicking. Like the calves of the stall. Amen. Glory to God. I want to talk a little bit about the Shroud of Turin. Let me have a show of hands. People who've heard of the Shroud of Turin, raise your hand. Okay, it's fairly well known. For those of you who may not be familiar with the Shroud of Turin, let me give you a little background. It is believed to be the burial shroud of Jesus himself. It's kept in Turin, Italy, where from time to time the keepers allow it to undergo scientific analysis. The amazing thing about the shroud is there appears to be an image of a man that was crucified that was burned onto the shroud by some unknown kind of radiation. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let me have that first slide of the top of the shroud of Turin. Amen. May not be real easy to see, but if you stare at it long enough, it looks like a photographic negative, and you can see a man in the center there. He has his arms crossed. There appears to be nail holes in his wrist, and it looks like blood was on his forehead where they put a crown of thorns. All right? Uh, the shroud was placed underneath this body from head to toe and then folded overhead from head to toe. So it covered him underneath and on top. And so when this radiation pattern was burned into the cloth, it created a pattern of the top of his body and the bottom of his body, very symmetrical and very much like a photographic negative, which I've already mentioned. All right, so here's the thing. I'm going to skip a lot of the factoids about the Shroud of Turin. Let me go to the second one, the second slide. This is the backside. The head is to the right. The feet are to the left. And you can see, look at on his back, his buttocks, his thighs, his calves. He, he didn't just receive stripes on his back. There are stripes all the way from his neck, all the way down to the bottom of his calves. By his stripes, we were healed. Takes on added significance when you look at this man i am a believer that this is the image of the crucified christ there is no way that the technology of that day could produce anything that looks like a photographic negative 
much less something that's perfectly symmetrical top to bottom. It's an amazing artifact, and I pray that they'll protect it. Some of the streaks and things that you see are from a fire that occurred many years ago, uh, several hundred years ago. Thank God it wasn't destroyed. I believe this is evidence of the risen Christ. All right, listen to this. This has to do with the creative event that the resurrection represents. I call this radiation from within. I was listening to a nuclear physicist who analyzed the radiation pattern that produced the image of the shroud. And she said something that absolutely stunned me. As a man with a background in science and engineer, it stunned me. It brought me to tears. She said that the radiation appeared to emanate from within the body of the man. Producing a symmetrical image on the top and the bottom of the shroud. Finally, what absolutely blew me away was this. This nuclear physicist said that the pattern of radiation she discerned from her observation of the shroud was identical to that of the Big Bang expansion that created the universe as we know it. That means that the resurrection was a creative event. Jesus wasn't just raised from the dead. He was raised and made into a new creature that never before existed. So that one day we'll be raised up and be a new creature that never before existed. You already have that in spirit on the inside of you. If you're born again, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The context there says, which never before existed. There is no precedent for the person you are and the person that you will become. I don't know about you. But that gets me excited. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a creative event, and that's something that I want to emphasize as we wrap this teaching up this morning. A new kind of being was created that day. One that had never before existed, an immortal, incorruptible being that was the prototype and the forerunner of us all. And the amazing truth of the matter is this. If you've been born again, if you're spirit filled, that same power that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible says that power already dwells in you right now. You've got universe creating Raising from the dead power, living on the inside of you if you're born again. Amen. Amen. And that's something to be happy about. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, one day that resurrection power that lives on the inside of you is going to trigger something that's going to transform your body from the inside out. Amen. And you're going to get a new body. We talk about that all the time here at Faith Life Fellowship because it's worth celebrating that there's a new body waiting for you in the showroom of heaven. You might not have been taught that before, but listen, you're going to hear it here at this church. There's a new body waiting for you. Amen. You know what the evidence is? The indwelling spirit. The Bible says the indwelling spirit is a seal, a marker 
You're a marked man or a marked woman if you're born again because you're designated to receive a brand new body. And it's already been paid for. No payments. No interest rates. Jesus already paid for it with his body and his blood. Amen. Glory to God. I'm getting myself happy here. I'm preaching myself happy. Hallelujah. One day, mortal will put on immortality. And corruptible will put on incorruption. Amen. In the twinkling of an eye, in a moment's time, we'll be changed into the same kind of being that Jesus was changed into on the resurrection day. Amen. We'll be just like him. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 through 53. This is my Bible proof of that. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Amen. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Amen. Whoo. Hallelujah. All right. Let's wrap this up by saying this. You don't have to confine your faith to the day that you get your new body to appropriate the promise of Romans 8.11. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you now and is providing healing power to the rest of your body. You're a three-part being, spirit, soul, and body. And if you'll allow that healing power that's already on the inside of you to Make its way through your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. It will affect every cell of your body. Did you know you have 10 trillion cells in your body on average? And the light and the life and the power of the radiation of God that lives on the inside of you can touch every one of those 10 trillion cells if you'll believe God that that's possible. It's not only possible, it's Bible. Believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is creative work going on on the inside of you. Remember, I said that the resurrection was a creative event. That means there is creative power on the inside of you. And that creative power can heal or create anything that needs to be healed or created in your body to make you whole. Amen. Glory to God. There is creative power at work on the inside of you. And listen, I'm going to leave you with this. I've been meditating a couple of weeks now on Isaiah 53, 5 in the Young's literal translation. It simply says, and by his bruise, there is healing to us. Now, remember the picture of the backside of the man that I believe is Jesus. There were stripes from the bottom of his neck all the way down to the bottom of his calves. Both the Hebrew and the Greek in Isaiah 53, 5, and also the Greek there in 1 Peter 2, 24, instead of the stripes that the King James renders, it says, you know, 1 Peter 2, 24 says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Isaiah 53, 5 says, by whose stripes we are healed. 
both the Hebrew word there in Isaiah 53, 5, and the Greek word in 1 Peter 2, 24 are better translated bruise, not stripes. Why is that? Because the day that Jesus took that terrible beating, took that scourge, his back was one mass of bleeding, welting, lacerated flesh from the bottom of his neck to the bottom of his calves. He was laid bare. In some cases, I think even to the bone. By his bruise, we are healed. And by his bruise, there is healing to us. You know, when I started meditating on that, and I know this is a little bit gross, you know, to think about these things, but sometimes I think you have to think about these things to realize what he did for you, to realize the magnitude of that scourging that he took. Let me see if I can put it in concise fashion here. Just like Jesus' wound, that enormous bruise pulsated with fever, welts, swelling, and massive lacerations, his life-giving power pulsates on the inside of your spirit if you're born again. It's like a heartbeat of radiation. It's just sending out waves of radiation. Will you receive those waves into the rest of your being? I say yes. Let them pass through my mind, my will, my emotions. You know, Lord, I don't always understand it, but I believe it. I don't understand the mechanism of how it works, but I believe it because it's in the Bible. That pulsating power of God. Think about it. Healing is coming to you 24-7. If we could ever get this revelation cemented in our souls, in our mind, in our will, in our emotions, healing would be a natural byproduct of that meditation and of that revelation. Isn't that right? May it be so in my life and in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching, The Resurrection, a Creative Event. Come visit our website at gofaithlife.com where you can learn more about us, access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, and find Dr. Forrest's in-depth teaching notes. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <laughs>